Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro. He is Ryan Koningsberg, and we are riding high considering it is sunny, beautiful out. And uh, Ryan doesn't promote it, but he's actually a big baseball guy, opening day today. I think we're all a little bit excited to get back in the baseball mode. I, I'm a big warm weather guy, too. Like, I really hate the cold. Every year I get older, it becomes worse to me. So the warm weather, uh, yesterday I was like, I went over to a friend's house, sitting on the rooftop, drinking a couple beers. That's that's the life to me. So uh, I'm feeling great. And I do love baseball. And also, Rocky's Twitter is, like, second best to Buff's Twitter, maybe even better in terms of how many funny people are on it. Uh, so I'm always happy for Rocky season. Rocky's Twitter just completely cannibalizes its, its, itself every single day. It is 100% interesting, and to those of you, I know there's many of you that are Buffs fans and Rockies fans uh, that know what I'm talking about, so that's interesting. But Buffs news, big Buffs news this week. Not only Trayshawn Fletcher and Kenan Gazanich transferring. I got good effort, that, good effort. Got good effort, didn't get it right? Guzanich. Okay, well, I'm never going to need It doesn't matter anymore, yeah. yeah. That was your last um, chance, and, and you screwed it up. Okay, um, good to know. Anyways, Kenan Guzinich there it is. Uh, and Trayshawn Fletcher transferring. We'll get into that in the second segment as well as we're going to talk about Tad Boyle's press conference, uh, what we heard once the cameras went down. We talked to Tad for about 15 minutes afterwards as well. We talked to George King. And uh, just some takeaways about Colorado basketball. That'll all be in the second segment. But for now, we're going to talk about the football team in the first segment. Ryan just dropped a Steven Montez article. But first, let's talk about the big news. Colorado gets four-star wide receiver from Cedar, Cedar, Texas, Cedar Hill, Texas. Uh, not that I would know where that is. Jalen Jackson, uh, from the looks of it, from reading on our site, what uh, Jalen Jackson is, the five foot 150-pound guy, very, very fast. Number 34 receiver in the country, set, uh, 27th-ranked prospect in the state of Texas for his class, class of 2017. This seems like an absolute get for the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, um, man, what a speedster. I mean, this guy is electric once he gets going. Um, as Adam told us, it's been reported that before he had a knee injury last season, uh, he tore his ACL. Before that, he had run a 10-5 in the 100-meter dash, which is... Um, like faster than you at fall ball. Yes, but I mean, I was I was moving that day, <laughs> uh, and to beat that, you gotta be. I was probably honestly, let's. I would guess it's probably like 17 seconds. <laughs> for, for people that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Adam Adam Munster Tagger from Buff Stampede and Ryan had a hundred meter dash uh, during hundred yard dash hundred yard dash during the uh, the fall camp. And first of all, Adam legendary. has since backed off from the fact that this was his idea. But he challenged me because he's a runner, and I'm like, oh, yeah, count me out. Uh, don't put me down for cardio, as they say. Um, not trying to be the best at exercising, I, I say. <laughs> um, but Adam was like, I could beat you. And I was like, I could probably beat you in a sprint, um, but I think you could beat me in long distance. He's like, what about, like, 100 yards? I was like, I can beat you in 100 yards. He's like, I think I can win. So. He, after making that claim, he, like, slowly backed down. And by the time it happened, he had already, like, said he was going to lose before it. Uh, and he did by a lot. So that was a fun time. But, but yeah, Jalen Jackson, Jackson would runs. burn both of you. <laughs> Jalen Jackson would probably do it in nearly half the amount of time it would take me. Um, and really, the most important thing to, to me here is to get um, a four-star early in the class. That hasn't happened in quite some time here. The four stars that see you 
has been able to bring in is guys like Patrick Carr, guys like Shea Fields, late decommits. Or even Bo Bisharat. Right. Late guys that are very late in the class. Something goes on in their recruitment that's a little wonky, and they end up buffs. This is, we went out, we convinced the guy from the jump that he, he should be a Colorado Buffalo. And now you look at that class, and you're working with um, two three stars and a four right. star. And two, so two of the, the bigger in-state recruits that you, you targeted, uh, both three stars and, and well-ranked, well-regarded three stars. And now you're bringing in a four-star um, playmaker, athlete type of player. That is huge to have this kind of momentum early. Um, and truly, uh, if they can keep this type of momentum through that class, it goes, in my opinion, a long way towards the job security of a guy like Mike McIntyre. And uh, I know there's about 25 prospects on campus this weekend on unofficial visits. There hasn't, hasn't even been official visits yet for this class of 2017, I don't believe, has there? Right, no, yeah, those, that was a, a junior day type of situation. Adam called it an elite junior day. It was basically all the really big prospects that they wanted that they could get to campus they brought in. Um, and to get a commit out of that is huge. Um, really, I don't even – yeah, you wouldn't – you wouldn't have even been disappointed if they didn't get one out of that because you knew it was kind of a, a, a relationship-building type of thing. Get in. Um, and to get a guy like Jalen Jackson right off the top is huge. Obviously, um, as it seems there always is with Buffs players um, and, and high-rated recruits, there's always a concern um, with the knee. But it seems that he came back from the knee pretty well, uh, and he – was able to run a 10-9 recently, which is nothing to uh, scoff at. So I think, you know, just strengthening that knee, getting back, that's really the only concern people have, and it seems that he's gone a long way already towards kind of quelling any fears about that knee. Another thing you talk about relationships, uh, when I was at practice this Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday or it was Friday. We Friday. S- Friday, thank you. Uh, it was coaches day. Uh, they were running a coaches clinic for all the high school coaches in the country. And you love to see that with Mike McIntyre. Uh, you got uh, original coach Mac, OG Mac, Gary Barnett, all these great Colorado coaches to come out and give uh, some tutorials for high school coaches. Talk about a great relationship builder there. Uh, so I know there were some athletes on campus at the same time. Obviously, there's 25 prospects on campus this weekend. So there is just so much going on in terms of high school football here around the campus of CU Boulder this weekend. And you got to love that so early in the cycle, uh, at least I think so early in the cycle, I, maybe different to recruiting experts. But for me, it's a really early in the cycle because last year at this time, the Buffs didn't have a single recruit. Yep. And we're talking about them having some stellar momentum already. Yep. And, man, I can't remember the last time they had stellar momentum like that in the beginning of a class um, and you talked about relationships that's one thing that this staff has been great at since the moment they got on campus I remember um, a week after they had got on campus they were going around to every state uh, every high school in Colorado regardless of what level all the way down to you know the seven man uh, or whatever they play down there uh, th- that is huge they've done a great job of building relationships um, they're they Especially Mike McIntyre, he's the, the quintessential football coach, you know, faith, family football, and that, that, that travels when it comes to the football community. You know, you go around to different football coaches across the country, um, and you're coming in with that kind of um, southern mentality, the, the faith, family football thing. That all works really well for you when you're going to these different schools and building those relationships with the coaches that were there this weekend. Uh, I think it's huge 
And that's something that this staff has done a really good job of. Something we're going to talk about in the third segment when we have a little bit of fun is how Ryan can basically base recruits based off of, uh, or, or rate recruits based off of names. Uh, Jalen Jackson's certainly a good name, but his nickname, The Truth, you know that dude's going to be good if he's nicknamed The Truth. Yeah, uh, that's, so that's, that's a great point. Uh, but you, you talk about building relationships in a place that CU's built a relationship with is where Steven Montez came out of. There was a really good relationship there between the head coach of the high school Steven Montez came from, um, and that's one of the reasons why Montez came to CU. Now you're looking at it in the soon-to-be red shirt freshman Steven Montez, uh, probably going to be third on the depth chart going into fall camp, but he's getting every single rep right now in spring, and uh, he's a sports guy who does throw good. So, Ryan... <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your article on Steven and uh, where he kind of sits. Is there a possibility he could actually take this starting job? Because I think when we were entering fall ball last year, we were saying, all right, well, Sefo's going to be senior. Steven's going to be a redshirt freshman. There's some potential that Steven could take that job. But with Davis Webb entering the picture, that potential's decreased. But I think it's still there because Steven's got such a great arm. Yeah, you don't want to count him out. Um, in talking to Brian Lindgren about Steven, you can definitely tell – that in his mind there's another jump that that needs to be made and, and I think he says it right here in his last quote in the article um, he says he's in the process of making that jump our staff is really excited about him and I think that's what they're waiting for is basically it's the transformation from a guy who has all the physical tools he's six foot four two four uh, 230 um, he has a cannon of an arm he can run uh, I know original comparisons came around to Colin Kaepernick, who people are now talking about possibly coming to Denver. It's that or long... Matt Cisneros. Did you see his Photoshop? Yes, that was Those were not his photoshops. Oh, I but... thought they were. No, um, it was. Uh, it's that transformation from that guy who just has the tools. Um, he kind of can do everything based off of his football IQ, bounce around the field, run around. It's it's from that to being a cerebral quarterback. And it's knowing when you don't need to use that laser rocket arm and just kind of touch one in there. It's throwing to specific spots, which he talks about. You know, hit a guy in the right shoulder or the left shoulder. Don't just throw to a receiver. It's learning the playbook um, on a, a level that he's got a long way to go to know the playbook the way that Sefo Lufa has. It's going to be able to get to the line and recognize defenses. It's those things that um, put him a little bit behind the eight ball in this race, but in terms of a physical gift, um, he is he's physically superior to the people he's competing with. So it's hard to count him out, and it's almost impossible to count him out because if he does make that jump, and with these players, especially if they're dedicated, they, that jump can happen at any moment. Uh, it can be something that clicks this offseason. Uh, just, I mean, look at George King on the basketball team, for an instance. Right. That's a hell of a jump right there. Right, exactly. So you never know when it's going to happen. And for all we know, Steven Montez goes out this offseason, works his tail off, studies the playbook every night, and he walks into fall camp um, feeling really good about himself. You string together a great fall camp, and all of a sudden you're the starting quarterback. So, you know, I know people like to believe that coaches don't play the best option for them to win football games. I don't know why people believe that, but it happens a lot. Uh, if Steven Montez can convince these coaches that he's the best option to win football games, he's going to be the quarterback of this football team. Something you mentioned that he's working on, uh, which I find really interesting, because all winter, from my sources, all that I heard was Steven's got all the tools. He's got a rocket arm, laser cannon, whatever you want to call it, but he throws too hard. When you, he's five, five, uh, five yard in, none of the receivers could catch it. 
And so it's really interesting to hear and good to hear from a CU Buffs perspective that they are working on that primarily because, you know, I'm always of the belief uh, that you want the 95-mile-an-hour fastball because you can step it back to 91 and you're going to be able to control it more. But not many guys have the 95-mile-an-hour fastball, if that baseball uh, metaphor makes that sense. That translates, yeah. Right. So Steven's got that rocket arm where he can throw 60 yards downfield. But now he's got to work on some of the fine-tuning stuff. And from the way your article was written and the way you talk about it, it sounds like they know it. That's what they're trying to address right now. And all the other stuff is natural. Of course, he's in his first year on campus. He doesn't know the playbook like a guy who's a senior. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for Steven. Um, I think, you know, even if he doesn't start this year, um, which is a, it's a distinct possibility, I know that this staff is extremely high on Davis Webb. Um, and I think Davis Webb is coming in here with, with a pretty fairly good idea that he thinks he can be the starter. So even if it's not this year for Steven, it's about continuing to make that jump. And, and I think this spring has been one of the more – I think we might look back at this spring as, wow, that was an extremely valuable time for this football program. Look, you don't need Sefa Lufau in spring practice. Um, you don't need Davis Webb really in spring practice. Of course, you'd love to have him because he's going through a little bit more of an adjustment. But those guys have so much experience. They've been through spring practice over and over again. They've taken – thousands of reps as the, with the first team, um, whether it was at Texas Tech or Colorado. For Steven Montez to be able to get an entire spring, and I'm sure he's splitting a little bit with Jordan Gerke, but for him to be able to have an entire spring going into his redshirt freshman season where he was the guy, um, we'll look back on this and say, wow, that was a really valuable time for his progression. And I think maybe if you're able to, if he's not the starter, find some ways to work him into uh, some games this year, whether you know you're you're blowing out uh, Nickel State. Yeah, I, I don't. Nah, they're not playing Nickel State. Whoever it is, I'm I'm blanking on who they uh, the FCS team they play this year. But you know, just getting him in there, letting him sling it around. I mean, the spring game is going to be big. I know that we're probably not expecting much of a, a game, but just having him out there, getting him that experience is truly invaluable. And I really think we will look back on this as a really important thing for his development. Speaking of progression. We're going to progress to the other side of this break. Uh, we're going to talk about CU Hoops uh, and uh, all that's going on there. They just opened up two scholarships. Scholarships. Uh, a lot of interesting things there uh, from a Hoops perspective, and I think they're moving forwards, and we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. But in order to keep all our content free, we got to take the break, so we'll see you back on the other side. This is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. 
That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training to Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Back to buff stuff. <laughs> hey Ryan, uh, how how you doing here? You doing good? Good, yes. Yeah, sports. And yeah, sports. And beer and other stuff. Yeah, and Blake Street Tavern. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the second biggest news story of the week, besides the Jackson thing, was definitely Fletcher and Guzanich. Yes, got uh, it right that time. No, it was right. Uh, transferring from CU, yet to be determined where they're transferring. Uh, some rumors around DU that's, that they might be interested. I think that's a little fan speculation just because it's easy with Rodney Billups being there. But either way, they are not going to play any more games in a CU uniform, and that opens up two more scholarships for the class of 2016. Yeah, um, from, what I, from what I understood, um, there, there's a big log jam next year at the position that Treshawn Fletcher likes to play, which is in the wing. Um, you got, you know, of course you have George King, Josh Fortune. You're bringing in uh, a guy like Derek White, and uh, you're bringing back XJ. All guys... You smile every time you say Derek White's yeah, name. Yeah, my eyes, like, glisten, and it's a... Uh, yeah, Derek White's good at basketball. Uh, <laughs> Sports guy good at throwing ball and hoop. <laughs> yes. Uh, so... 
um, there's just a log jam there. Uh, and in a perfect world for the Buffs, they were going to maybe see if they could get Trey Sean to redshirt, um, which I really thought would have been a great opportunity for him to kind of take a year, move towards his degree, improve his game, uh, and then have a – I mean, and the he next had a year he would have been uh, – he had a chance to be the guy in that in that next year. And I know – and when have I a better chance of playing pro ball, too, which is something that all these guys want to play. I'm not talking about the NBA, but playing overseas, and that's definitely a goal of all these guys. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure where that went wrong because, obviously, unless Trey decides to go the D2 or a JUCO route, uh, I guess he can't go JUCO, uh, he's going to have to sit out anyway. So, obviously, um, it just there was they weren't on the same page. Um, and Tad Boyle, like he told us last week, he doesn't pull any punches in these conversations. He's very honest with players about where they fit in in the program at the time. And, I, and I'm sure it was a, a situation where Tad said, hey, listen, um, we don't, we're not going to have as many minutes for you next year as we had for you this year. Uh, and I know that's hard for you to hear as someone who's going to become a senior, but that's the way it is. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to lie to you about something like that. And... At that point, I guess Trey decided that, you know, maybe it is the best for him to go play somewhere else where he can uh, showcase his skills a little bit more. And for him, that's obviously with the pro, with the pro, with playing pro ball in mind. So for him, maybe he goes to a lower level. Maybe it's something just one step below in the Mountain West or something like that, um, where I think Trey could be a real time, real big time playmaker. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I think Trey was a good player, a great kid. Um, always had good experiences with him. Just didn't work out. For he was one of my favorite interviews on the team. Yeah, uh, just always that, smiling. Yeah. And uh, for Trey, he didn't ever have that big jump everyone expected. You know, as a top hundred guy, he never reached the level or had that big jump anyone expected. But he quietly kept progressing through his career, and he recovered from a really nasty knee injury nicely. You look at Spencer Dinwiddie, who's had a similar knee injury, and I know it's very hard to compare because he's it out. It was a different injury. Well, it, it's a more serious injury, but point being, Spencer, I don't know, has ever gotten back to the level he was at before, and it's very hard to say because he's playing in the pros now. But Trayshawn Fletcher definitely got back to the level he was at before and probably got better. And so uh, good on Trey for recovering from that injury because I have talked to him about that, and that was really tough. As a freshman, you come in and you lose your knee essentially for, uh, you know, it's, what, six weeks, two months, and, you know, that's a tough thing to get over, and he got over it, and then he kept progressing uh, despite all the expectations that really he probably should have failed at some point. Uh, so it just speaks to Trayshawn's character. Uh, quiet guy, but, you know, worked really hard. Yeah, he, he did work hard, and um, it, it's kind of unfortunate when you look back at it. It's funny because when that uh, recruiting class came in, it was John Hopkins, Dustin Thomas, Trayshawn Fletcher and George King and when that happened you you thought to yourself wow that's I mean they all play uh, Jerron moved a little bit more towards the guard role but they all played similar games and it was like this is going to cause a log jam and the funny thing is eventually what what pushes Trey out is a log jam but not only one of those players that came in that original class were part of that log jam um, so you know I think maybe through the last couple of years Tad might have learned a little bit of a lesson about um, playing all wings. Well, just yeah, it's it's class balance, but not class balance in the sense of bodies. It's class balance in the sense of guys at positions. Um, and I think you know he loves to just go best player available, um, and he has a thing where he falls in love with players pretty easily. So it's hard for him to 
say, I really like this guy, but I'm not going to take him because we already have a guy like him. Um, so I think Tad learned something about that. In one of those open scholarships, he already said it in his press conference uh, before the news had even broke about Treshawn and uh, Kennan was the first scholarship that opens up. He is going to find another big man. Well, that's Dallas Walton, though. He just can't talk about right. Dallas Walton yet. So there's, so there's your big man. It's Dallas Walton. But I think they're also looking for another big man. Um, well, well, that's I, I think he was talking about – he already said Dallas Walton. Well, no, he it, couldn't say Dallas Walton. Well, no, but I, he said there's a kid on campus this week that's – he right. kind of alluded to it. So in addition to Dallas Walton, he said the first scholarship that opens up is going to be a big man. That's kind of the way I th- read it. And then the second scholarship that opens up will be to the best player available. Yeah. So I think, you know, if they were able to – and I quickly want to just talk about uh, Kennan. Kennan was a guy who was a big flyer. Um, they knew they were taking a flyer on a guy who had a, a skill set. And Kennan does have a legit skill set. It was whether or not they could get him from a guy who can kind of play pickup and get a bucket here and there to a guy who can, one, work in the offense and, two, play defense. And, and you take, you take a, sometimes you take risks like that, and that's what they did with Kennan. Fortunately, as he'll tell you, he told me in an article, he came in very out of shape. Uh, and coming in out of shape really put him behind the eight ball um, because he was so far out of shape that he basically spent – most of the beginning of his time on campus working to get in shape just so he could really practice with the rest of the squad. And I think from then on out, it was just um, tough for him to catch up with everyone else. So um, I, I think, you know, that'll look that'll be looked back on as a miss. But it's kind of a, I mean, it's a one-year miss that you kind of get away with. So and, and they didn't really, they didn't really have another option for that scholarship. At right, that yeah. Point. It's not like, you know, uh, Tyler Dorsey was knocking down the door and they took Kenan Guzinich instead. It was all right, well, we have the scholarship. Let's do something with it, see what happens. And um, it's not a four-year commitment. Even if Kenan would have stayed, it was less than that. But I think they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into there. So, yeah, now you've got two scholarships. Um, I think the goal would be to get a transfer big man or a JUCO big man, someone who's ready right away because uh, Dallas Walton, a lot of potential. You don't want to have to count on him for too many minutes next year. And right now you're looking at a big rotation that consists of Wes Gordon, Torrey Miller, and kind of XJ. I think you want it, you want XJ in that rotation. It's whether or not um, he ends up in that rotation is yet to be seen. So to be, it's really important for them, really, to go out and get someone that they can stick in there and get minutes next season. Yeah, and the team is going to be really interesting next season. I was talking to George about it, and I asked him – really candidly are you practicing to play the four more because I know you played it a little bit this season are you kind of bulking up maybe in anticipation of that he goes so who would play the who who would play the five because West plays the four and like he hadn't even crossed it didn't even cross George's mind that Wes will probably slide over to the five which I find really interesting because these guys I think were so focused on this season they weren't uh focusing on next season and good on them for that because that's what they should be doing but yeah, I think we, we'd be surprised to find out how little these guys – I mean, that's not their job. Right. They're not thinking about class balance and this and that and who's playing where next season. They All they know is I got to go to work and get buckets today. Right, because my scout – you know, I'm being judged every single day. I'm out here. And, you know, but George uh, alludes to this in his conversation, and I don't know what exactly he says, but he brings up this word, positionless team. I think next year will be a positionless team is what George tells me. And you look at the team and 
Tad Boyle's going to have to restructure both his offense and defense probably a little bit next year to play to his team's abilities. And every single good coach has to do this. Uh, you look around the country, whether it's John Calipari or Bill Self. Well, and You look at who's playing in the national championship tonight in Villanova. Villanova plays uh, basically one guard in, or four wings and a big or one guard and four wings. That's a very good place to look. Uh, for what the Buffs are going to be doing next year. Yeah, and so my point is Tad Boyle is a good enough coach where he's going to adjust his coaching to his players' strengths. So I really find that interesting every time there's a shift in the team's philosophy or what the team has uh, from year to year, whether that's in the pros or in college, and how the coach is going to adapt to that. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting to see what Tad Boyle develops, and maybe they do try and not only run a trap more, because I know they tried to do that when Tad Boyle first came on campus and they started to use it a little bit last season, this past season. Uh, But then on offense, they try to run a little bit up and down, like they tried to do two years ago. So both things Tad Boyle has talked about and would work really well with a team built like this. Yeah, definitely. Um, They're going to have to mix a few things up. Um, and, And really, here's the biggest thing. Guys are really, really going to have to step up when it comes to perimeter defense. Um, you're not going to have the twin towers in there sending everything out. Uh, I don't. No one gave credit to the, the interior. No one gave enough credit to the interior defense that Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon brought to the table. And this year, it really got brought to the forefront when how when with how bad they were defending the perimeter, and yet they still were a very good defensive team. Because Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon defended the heck out of the paint. Well, Tory Miller can be a good defender. Um, you are not going to have that interior defense the same way that you had it last year. And that's just a fact. So they really need to have a big, big increase on their defense on the perimeter. Uh, and I think that's going to be one of the most important things. But like you said, a lot of chances to play small uh, like the Warriors do a lot of chances to play small like Villanova does and you're going to need to find a way to make it work and and there's enough talent there that they should be able to I know our listeners uh, can hear the background music, which is Jimmy Page's guitar solo right now on Stairway to Heaven. So I literally didn't listen to anything you said over the last two minutes because Jimmy Page's guitar solo on Stairway to Heaven. But uh, I know what you're talking about because you always talk about it and we talk back and forth. And my point back and forth to you is, uh, Ted Boyle mentioned this even, basketball is shifting into a more guard-like lineup. And Tad Boyle's ideas and ideals and values or whatever are shifting with what basketball is shifting to right now. So Tad Boyle is trying to get out ahead of the curve and recruit a little bit smaller, I think, and be pre- and being prepared to play a four-out lineup uh, because that's where the NBA is shifting right now where all the teams are succeeding. And, you, and it's not just the Warriors. The Heat, when they were very good the last three, four years, had LeBron James playing the four. Carmelo Anthony always plays the four. So I wouldn't look at the at the Knicks for a semblance of success. Uh, I don't know. Those 20 wins going to cost the Nuggets a draft pick. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think the game is translating. And uh, I think, you know, especially in the Pac-12 next year, there's not going to be that much big talent in terms of big as in size. There's going to be a lot of talent, though. The recruiting classes are fantastic. There's definitely going to be a lot of talent, and there always is going to. But looking at what 
goes out of the conference. You're losing Pirtle. You're losing Josh Scott. You're losing Tarzuski. Um, three of the elite big men in the conference, and I'm, I'm probably missing another one there, but it's not going to be a big man conference. Uh, and that's where I think, you know, a player like Derek White comes in and even has a bigger impact because it's not in a sense where, you know, you're needing to re- refill um, Josh Scott's size, whereas you need to refill his production more, and I really think Derek White has a chance to do that. I, I just had to get Derek White into this segment. <laughs> what I'm so excited for next year is watching, or what I'm most excited for next year is watching Derek White and George King play on the same court because they play similar styles uh, a little bit. Uh, George King... Derek White's a much better ball handler. Right, but uh, in terms of the position they play, uh, where they get their shots and things like that, three-level scores, I just think they could have such a balanced attack with Derek White on one side and George King on another side, and it would just cause defense fits because both can hit shots from anywhere on the court. Both can put the ball down. uh, Both can slash. I'm just... That's what I'm most excited for next year and I really can't wait to see King and uh, White play together. And I think Buffs fans, will, you know, when they do that open scrimmage, if they do it this year, when they see them on the court for the first time, are just going to go, oh, my God, this is going to be fun. And, I mean, I don't even put a win total on it or whatever, but the style of play that the two will bring I think will be really, really fun to watch. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if uh, Derek White plays next to, like, you, me, Adam, and Will. I want to see that. I don't care who he's playing next to. Well, you can spot up from the three-point line. I can uh, turn over the ball a bunch. Uh, Will can coach us, and Adam can get some rebounds. Will would be the second-best player out of any out of that five. Really? Huh. Will is a bucket getter. After talking about Will Whalen's golf last week, I didn't. I didn't know. Oh no, he's he he was a big-time high school basketball player. Oh, I know. I just I just didn't expect it from Will. Anymore. He still has it. Okay. I mean, when I play with him, he plays the point and runs it well. Well, that's going to lead us out of this segment. Uh, any segment ended with Will Whalen's probably a good segment, so we'll just end it right there. But today is opening day in Major League Baseball. We talked about it a little bit. Opening day for the Rockies is Friday. And, Ryan, boy, do I have the perfect place for you to come for opening day on Friday. Where is that? The Blake Street Tavern oh. on 22nd and Blake. It is going to be so lit down oh, here. You went so there. lit. Just don't don't say that. Okay. Don't say it that way, especially. Well, uh, if you're, wa- it is though. Uh, and if you can't get a ticket, happy hours going on during the game. So Friday, three to six, happy hours. Two dollar PBR, two dollar Rolling Rock, three dollar Wells and Domestics, four dollar Craft and Imports, five dollar appetizers during the game. If you can't get a ticket and you want to be down here, this is a perfect place to eat. Yeah, I've I vaguely remember being at the Blake Street Tavern before the game last year, and and I'm pretty sure I had fun. I. I I would venture to say I had a good time. It sounds like you had a great time. <laughs> uh, but that'll be the end of this segment. Remember to come down to the Blake Street Tavern on Friday. I think me and Ryan will probably be down here for opening day. Uh, and we're going to be down here, obviously, tonight for the national championship game and uh, Rockies opener in Arizona. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys around here soon, and we'll be right back on the other side of the spring. Rockies 162-0. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. 
head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. Hopefully we can go to heaven. I pray. Hopefully we can go to heaven. Cause I'm staying. Hopefully we can go to heaven. I pray. Hopefully we can go to heaven. Cause I'm staying. I'm staying. Ryan. Yeah. Are you in the market for a small, isolated hill with steep, often vertical slides as small, relatively flat tops? Uh, I absolutely am, yes. Well, I know the place for you. Where's that? Butte Mechanics. <laughs> Every time you're thinking about notable buttes, the perfect formation of buttes gathered in by weathering and emo- uh, erosion, you can go down to Butte Mechanics. They know how to perfectly erode a mountain into a butte to get you the butte that you need. Wow, they sound like some real engineers. They are. Uh, they will perfectly mold a butte uh, by baking it in an oven as well, uh, molding it to your foot, I believe. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you thinking of boot mechanics and Golden? Ah, with that guy, professional skier Jeremy Johnston? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Jeremy Johnston has one of those names, like definitely a good athlete. Oh, definitely. But uh, before we get into that, you got to visit Jeremy Johnson in Golden or on bootmechanics.com. So we're getting into that. Uh, terrible transitions today for me. Ryan can totally tell you if an athlete's going to be good just based on name, like Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah, okay. There's certain um, things that go into this, but the number one predictor of an athlete's success is 100% their name. So think about this when you're having children. If you want to consult me about what to name your child and how to make them into a good athlete, um, obviously your, your last name 
is a harbinger. Like, if their last name is Konigsberg, they're fucked. They're not going to be a good athlete. Um, they'll, like, Unless I, they're playing for the Hampton I, Pirates, because then you can go, Konigsberg. I have reached the peak of being named Konigsberg. Like, I, I was a decent athlete. I could play golf. Um, like, I, I got a jumper. That's the peak. Um, so your, your last name is important, but first name is important, too. And I can tell you whether or not an athlete will be successful just off their name. I feel like my last name's really good, but my parents screwed me on my first name. Cause Why are you whispering? I don't know. I can't uh, hear you. I feel like my last name's really good, but my first name, my parents absolutely screwed me on. Because uh, Shapiro ends with the O, like, so when you're announcing it, you can like kind of sound it off. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyways, a, a really good one is Jalen Jackson. Yeah, like, if your name is Jalen Jackson, especially if you spell it J-A-Y-L-O-N, he's 100% guaranteed to be a baller. It got us thinking. Ryan's going to predict some of the other class of 2016 athletes, uh, Jalen Jackson in the class of 2017, but Ryan's going to predict some of these class of 2016 guys just based off of names. Ronnie Blackman. Ronnie Blackman, baller. Bo Bicharat. Bo Bicharat, like, it's missing a little something. But um, I'm a big fan of alliteration, so I, I never got alliteration. Always good. Bo Bishrat, that's good. Um, hyphenated names, always ballers. Um, those are those are the two big ones. So Bo Bishrat, if it was like a little different, like it would be better. But if it ended with an e, I think it'd be better. With like Bo Bishrat rather than yeah, at. that would yeah. be good. That would be good. Uh, Juwan Winfrey, solid, very solid. Sam Neuer. No, Drew like, Lewis. Sam, like Sam, like Sam Neuer, can't be a baller. <laughs> Drew Lewis. I like that having two like two short names is good, but Drew Lewis is a little bit like c- contributor, contributor. Anthony Julamisi. That's another one where it's like oh, it has some exoticness to it. Julamisi, like ooh, like is he French? Is he like there's something there to make you think. That there could be something special within it. Darian Rakestraw. We're getting shot at in Blaging Tavern. <laughs> Don't come here. Uh, Darian Rakestraw. If he was a baseball player, he'd be in the league already. Tariq Roberts. Solid, solid. Pookie Maka. Pookie Maka, is, oh, that's a baller name. That's probably the top one in the class, right? Are, are, are you going to name off every single player? No, I was going. I was ending on Pookie Maka because it's my favorite name. Wait, I think you missed the best one. Johnny Huntley? Johnny Huntley the third. That is, like, if he's not a, if if Johnny Huntley the third doesn't ball out, I'll retire. All right, well, you heard it here first. Uh, I hate people that say that, but you heard it here first. Uh, Ryan, one last thing before we sign off. What can we expect from the spring game? Yeah. And I've already seen a discussion going on, so I don't think fans have their hopes too high. I think people are pretty well coming to terms with the fact that the spring game is going to be very, very, very vanilla. Um, and vanilla is a really good flavor, so I don't even know if that's doing it justice. I, I, I don't want to discourage people from going out there because I think it's just good teams and good fan bases show up at the spring game regardless. I mean, we haven't seen football in how long, you know? So I think you should go um, to support your school and, and kind of it just makes you look more big time if you have people at these. But 
It's not going to be much. They missed practice today because of quote-unquote mounting injuries, which is confusing because they're practicing tomorrow. But uh, the, I, the old one-day injury bug. Yeah, like what? Someone like maybe they had a really good party on Saturday night, and the hangover <laughs> hasn't subsided yet. That's I mean that's what I hope because I everyone deserves a party that's, that good. Maybe Montez is that guy that's finally partying as the quarterback. You, that, you've been saying that's you need another that. important predictor of success. Your quarterback has to be just like a like someone who comes on campus and is like I, I'm the quarterback, so now I officially run this campus. Everything goes through me everywhere. Um, like I should go to the bars and never have to pay for a drink. Like you need that out of your quarterback. Um, Cepho, great kid, very talented. I I will stand by him as a quarterback, but just doesn't have the mock killer instinct that you have to have to be uh, a Johnny Menzel type. So that's a problem. What were we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about what we can expect out of the spring game. <laughs> so, anyways, expect expect nothing. Um, nah, it's gonna be uh, like it's worth coming to see how far along it's worth coming to see how far along Stephen Montez has come. I'd say. Well, we got a visitor for our last five minutes of the podcast, Tyler Ziskin. What's going on? Give him a mic. Give him a mic. What's up, Tyler? I can't actually talk, but I just wanted to come say what up. Look at you. You got a haircut. Ryan's over here looking good. He probably already talked about this on the show, didn't he? I didn't. I didn't want to hype up Ryan anymore. Oh, well, that's what I do best. Who's winning tonight? Uh, I'll take Villanova. Uh, I, th- I want Nova to win. I think it's going to be North Carolina. Side note, one, ta- got one night in Vegas after a few drinks, Tyler just looks at me and goes, this is my least favorite haircut that you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's, so that's why he noticed that I, I changed it. We're going to wrap up the podcast on the high note that is Tyler Ziskin and his height uh, and his voice and everything else about Tyler Ziskin being so fantastic. Uh, just hype up our boy. So for Ryan Koningsberg, who you can follow on Twitter, at Ryan Koningsberg, I am Jake Shapiro, who you can follow on Twitter, at Chapalicious. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Monday. We'll have the recap of the spring game and whatever other Buffs news happens to have. Happen happens to happen yeah that works sports 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 sports